Welcome to episode 791 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 791 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am great. Um, I'm looking at our patrons here. I'm, I'm going to struggle with some of those names, so we're going to go <laughs> through these together. We're doing back-to-back recordings today, team, because both John John's, you're in... I'm in Kauteri-Terri. And I'm in Hamna. Very nice. Yeah, we went on Sunday, coming back Wednesday. Hamna's a great spot. Yeah. So is Kauteri. Yeah, so we're, looking, we're both relaxing, mm-hmm. going for some walks. Mm-hmm. Your favourite walk in Kauteri? Kaiteri highlights, you go to the top of the beach above Little Kaiteri, then you go on what we call the honey walk. You can, you know, so they've got those trees. around the other bay? Uh, no, it goes just over the hill to the main beach and they've got those trees, you know, the honey trees where you've got the little, oh, the black sh- trees, be- are they beach trees? No, they're and not. You suck the, and you get the honey. But you just get the little yeah. strands coming off and you can pick your finger on them. The what's honey, the, what's, the, honey the, one, what's the one we used to grab and you used to honey sucker? Remember that? It was like a little flower. Ah. Uh, don't yeah. know that one. Yeah, well, I, I think I know. What you, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But th- this is just the tree with the little oh, we dots love that of honey, honey John. On. Uh, <laughs> we love that honey. And then you go up to Kakapa Point. There we go. Uh, I'm talk is proudly brought to you by our patrons. Okay, you can, I'm going to go Annette Lightning Lee. That's the easy one. Yep, same name as my bike, Lightning. I've Cube Lightning, spelt slightly differently. Oh. Aaron Tauntaun Nelson, What's and Tauntaun is off Star Wars. Oh. In what's the second one? Uh, Return, not Return of the Jedi. What's the second Star Wars movie? Um, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah, Empire yeah, Strikes yeah, yeah, Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're on that, um, the cold planet at the very beginning and they're going they're on those beasts and they cut it open and, and as Han Solo goes inside I've, it. I, do you know what, John? I've never seen Return of the Empire. Empire Strikes Back, I've never oh seen it. Oh my goodness. What planet have you been living on? I know. I've seen Star Wars and my dad oh let me bunk school gosh. to go to Return of the Jedi. Oh my God. And apparently it's really good. Yeah, Return of the Jedi was the best, but it was still, still, still. Well, you say Return of the Jedi is the best? Yes. Really? Yeah, yeah. I definitely. think most people think it's the worst. Oh no, I think it's the best. I think the Ewoks let it down. Oh, I love the Ewoks. <laughs> Here we go. Well, okay, who's next? Uh, Eric Stelvio Fripp. What's Stelvio? Stelvio is a very high pass in the Dolomite. No, is it just in the Dolomites, or is it in the Alps in Italy? Anyway, I've been up there, and it's a bloody long way up. And it was snowing. I think we, if you done this week's discussion, we should say which is the best Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I like because I think we were the right age for Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. You know, because we would have been about seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Whereas we were a bit young for those first two movies, and at that time you didn't get DVRs or um, mm-hmm. so like video recorded. So you know, probably age based answer. Okay, uh, with this week's show we've got not Kona, <laughs> we've got news. <laughs> We've got an interview coming up, which we can't confirm at the stage, but we, we will have an interview there. Yep, it's going to be done. Uh, we've got Super League overview, Coach's Corner, questions and answers. Okay, so what we do know is Kona is not happening this weekend, which sucks because it's the second year in a row we are not having Kona. Yes, it is indeed sucking a lot. And I thought, I wonder who won it back in 2019. I can remember who won it. What I found really interesting when I was just having a scan through this list is there's a lot of athletes we're never going to see again. Oh really? So and this is mainly really on the well, we may, maybe not. And there's a lot of athletes on the, I don't know, on a, on the slide. Their form hasn't been great since then. Uh, and we've got you know we've got lots of athletes okay, so that have come through. Names. So I was, I was looking through the top ten. Anne Hawke, she's still going strong. Lucy Charles still cranking it. Sarah Crowley, she's not. She's really um, hasn't had a great. 
year, I guess. You know, when we look at her 2019, you know, she led it and got third in Kona. Um, she got second in Roach. She got every race she did, she got on the podium. Mm. 2020, you kind of just ride off it, what it is, what it was. Uh, and then so far this year, you know, from being a really consistent podiumer, she's only got one podium, um, got fifth in Roach. 14th fastest at the Collins Cup, 6th at Tulsa. So hasn't had great form, so we'll see where she goes. Laura Phillip was 4th. She's gone awesome. Heather Jackson's another one. I think part of hers has been injury-related, but she's had a really poor season. Mm. Kaiser Sali, Kylan Sali was 6th. Uh, she hasn't raced since then. Um, so Well, one of the big ones, Marin McCaffrey, she did she DNF'd that race. Mm. But do you think we're going to see her again at Kona? She ra- uh, maybe. She raced last weekend, but she's 40 now. She raced at a 70.3 last weekend. Corrine Abraham uh, was seventh. She hasn't raced since then either. Carrie Lester, she, oh, she's always one of my favourites, but um, she's still going really strong at Iron Distance Race. Uh, Daniela Blameler uh, from Germany. Pretty sure she's she hasn't raced either. So out of the top 10 there, you've got one, two, three, and Lindsay Corbin was in 10th. You've got three that haven't raced since, and a couple that are on the slide, and your top few are still there. So, yeah, interesting on the female side. Quite different on the men's. Jan Fredino's still going strong. Tim O'Donnell, haven't really seen him race. He's 40 now as, as his, his um, wife, now, Miranda Carfrey. Didn't he have heart problems? He did. Yes. So I don't know how serious that is. Yeah, so it might be it might be the last we see of him. He did race a couple of times in 2020, twice, uh, and once so far this year in Miami. Um, then you've got Sebastian Keenlay. He's struggling consistently with injury, injuries now. He's still going okay, but Ben Hoffman had a good race at the weekend. Cameron Worth's still going strong. Joe Skipper's still going strong. Braden Curry's still going pretty good. Philip Kootenay from Switzerland was in eighth place. And what has he done since... He's got 23rd in Kona, uh, in Copenhagen a few weeks ago, didn't finish in Germany, uh, and so he hasn't really done too much other than, yeah, 8th in Kona, hasn't done much since then. Ninth place, you had Bart Arnott, he's still going okay. Chris Chris Lieferman was in 10th, and I know he's had some injury challenges as well, he was supposed to be at the Collins Cup. and he had some good races in 2020, uh, won Ironman Florida, um, but this season he's only had a 12th in Tulsa, 4th in Challenge Miami, but a few injury challenges. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it'll be interesting to see this this moment, who, who, who it hurt the most. I, I, I actually think one of the things that it hurts the most is Fredino, mm. um, because I ultimately feel you, you would have picked him in the last two years. Definitely. You know, um, now... Potentially next year he can still pop out too. He's going mm-hmm. to be forty-one, mm. you know. So it's going to happen. He's going to he's going to lose a little bit eventually. I totally agree. He's not going to have that same six next to his name yeah. as Mark Allen, things like that. But I still think I, I hate saying the greatest of all time, but it's like he has just got yeah. that. Everything. His his invincibility is yeah. just incredible. And and across all different sports, mm. you know, all different. Like he, yeah, you you hate the greatest, but basically you're going to say Mark Allen and Fredino in the future, aren't you? And Fredino, because he's a dominator, he's the best swimmer, he's one of the best bikers, and he's one of the best runners. And that performance on that fastest time by himself, mm. that so. was, to me, that may be one of his most impressive things. Because mm. to do it solo and to beat the fastest time ever mm. was, the guy's just, oh, we're so lucky we're, we're in his era. It was kind of mm. like Chrissy's era. Mm. You know, you're kind of, you're lucky to be a fan of a sport when you get to see a bit of a rock star. And we're lucky to see this. And, and fingers crossed we do see two more awesome races out of him next mm. year. To think that he can get six. 
two years from now, it, it gets, you know, well, but hey, this guy's a freak. Um, John's World Triathlon Update. Oh, I like that you've changed this because it helps It's not me. ICU anymore. <laughs> uh, but we are going to talk Super League. So you, we're, we're finished now. If you haven't watched it now, no, you've had you, another week. We can talk. We can talk. You, yeah, you've, screw you've, you. had, you've had your opportunity. Come on. So Yee takes it out. He does take it out. And it's impressive. So the last round we didn't talk about last week was in Malibu. Uh, it came down to, in the, the men's race, came down to the last race. Thank God the short shoot didn't really influence yeah, things. It, it influenced a, a placings, but it didn't influence the win of the series. So Alex G took it out. It was a basically a four-way sprint finish. Hayden Wild went for it on the last run. Oh, see, Hats off to him. So he, did, he took a risk. He went for it. He, he, went, he was at the front. You're thinking... You, Ryan, you got this, and he'd gapped Alex Yee, but Alex Yee paced it a little bit better, and he managed to run through. It was a four-way sprint finish. Um, oh, wow. Like literally, they came in, and all and three you, guys who could win the overall series. Were no, in? Louis was out the okay, back so it was just door. Just between Yee and Wild at this stage, and Brownlee had dropped off a little bit as okay. well. So yep. it was between those two, uh, and Yee came through in the finishing sprint. Once you got about. 500 metres to go, you're going, I think he's got this because uh, he was sort of bridging up and the others were, were slowing down. Hayden Wild was pu- pulling ugly yeah, faces. He out, didn't he? So he stood, still did great. He got uh, second in the series. Um, Yee, and I've got to give huge credit to Yee and to Hayden Wild because they come down a bit out of the swim and often those the pure runners, they kind of hide in the packs and yeah. you go, you're just a runner. But they just give it on the bike and, and Yee's biking is really quite good now. So I that was that. impressive. That's, that's why I always love Brownlee. Mm. Alistair Brownlee, like, you know, in the, in, the, in the Olympics, he didn't need to do all that work on the bike. Mm. Sure, he ties out the pack because he knew he was a great runner, but it's awesome when you see someone going, you know what, I'm the man, mm. stay with me. So it was great racing on the, the men's side. And Georgia, Georgia Taylor-Brown took it out. She did. And so the women's side, you ended up having in the final race, you had a few of those wild cards in there with Lucy Charles and Flora Duffy, and yeah, it ended up being the women's Olympic podium on in terms of finishing order on the day. You had Flora Duffy, just class of her own, uh, and then uh, um, Georgia Taylor-Brown. Was that they brought her in for the last race? It didn't affect... Like, it's awesome that she's there, but... Yeah, it, uh, I get what you're saying, but it, luckily it don't think it really affected the outcome of the race. That would be a bummer maybe if it had. Maybe it, yeah. No, I don't think it... If, if this had been a different format, if this had been like the enduro format, then it might have had more of an influence because mm. she might have got away with um, Jess Learmonth and might have dropped the others. But because it was three short, sharp races, it came down to the last race and it was just a swim bike run and the swimmers couldn't really get away. So it was the Super League with the, you know, they do four races, four weekends, basically. You don't know that's how mm. they do it. Is it that you kind of just got your core group of athletes? Or do mm. you like that you can bring just one person in for one race? I'd rather they have your core group of athletes. Yeah, but it did add a different dynamic, a slightly di- different dynamic to, to the race. I don't think it influenced the overall winner. So it ended up Jess, uh, Jess Lemont won the first three races in the series, came down the last race. Yeah. She was slightly off par, got fourth. Um, got fourth. And because it was one and a half times points, she missed out on, on winning the overall series. And I do like having bonus points on the final race, it's a bit more yeah. on the line. Yep. Um, and Georgia Taylor Brown had had a Bit of bad luck, part, partly her own making. Um, so good, good on her. So, so it was, it was great final racing. And prize money in the overall was one point two five million. Was it for the series? Yes. 
So what was different for 2021? Um, Four four weeks back-to-back. In the past, we've seen Super League kind of spread over the season. You kind of had maybe one or two at the start, one or two at the end, and maybe one thrown in the middle. Um, I definitely like this four weeks back-to-back. I think it worked well for everybody, for the athletes. And it keeps the interest. It keeps the interest. Because like week in after week in, it builds this crescendo at the end. Mm. So I thought that was great. Athletes, end end of the World Triathlon season, they can just do this in whatever shape that they've got. We, from a spectator's point of view, easy. Logistics point of view, it must be easy for them. They just go, right, we committed four weeks moving. Uh, and I'm sort of thinking maybe they could do the arena games, like the indoor stuff as pre-season and then this post-season. I'm not sure if the arena games will stick around post-COVID or not, or whether they just want to do outside just randomly, stuff. What would Hayden Wild be making a year now? Um, oh, somewhere between 100 and 200. I, I, get, I don't know what he'd get in sponsorship and, and, and so on, but you think there he's probably, I guess he's probably picked up close on maybe 50 or so, 50 yeah. grand or so for that series um, in a regular ITU season. And it'd be more than that. If, you, if you're getting, if you're doing well on the, the World Triathlon circuit, um, it's pretty top heavy. You can make some good money. So good on him. He's one of the best oh, in the world. You know, I, just, I just don't know how much sponsorship money he'd be getting in, in Little on New Zealand. If he was elsewhere, he'd probably do a lot better. We need, we need athletes to make money. Okay, so the team. Teams. This was a new thing for 2021. I'm not sure it worked. Um, there was some minor team tactics in there in terms of trying to grab the short shoots. You know, yep. if you put a team member, tried to put them up the front in the swim. Um, unless they do something like team time trials, I'm not quite sure Where what the point is. Yeah. Um, like it really, and, and they're trying to do that kind of what team you're supporting, but there's no real. I don't support a team. No. I mean, I support it. I don't even. What team, what team were Hayden Wilden? I don't think I could even. They were Sharks, I think. And they had another Kiwi like, in there. It's a bit like um, what I was saying a few weeks ago with the Indian Cricket League. Hmm. Like, you know, the Indian Cricket League, which I don't really pay much attention to, but the, if you don't know much about cricket, the game changed a few years ago because India does this 2020 tournament, which is a very short version of the sport. And they just do like a, they do like a kind of lottery pick or a, a, a draft at the beginning yeah. of the season. And I'm sure in India, people support. The, the different teams because it's local regions but Kiwis we just go well, where are our Kiwis playing yeah you know so you know we if we were to support a team you just go well Hayden Wells team but mm. um, I'm not quite sure if the team is something that will really take off for, for fans yeah so I'll need to tweak that I think to get my buy in the dollars it seemed like more to me this year I'm not quite sure so and then individuals across the season 50k for first um, 35 for second 25 for third the teams they were splitting money between the teams so uh, 120k for the first team so for the athletes it was quite a good so motivator team actually won? Uh, the team with the white thing on them oh yeah they were white team <laughs> I don't know what they were called. It was Georgia Taylor Brown's team and Alex Yee's team. Uh, so they got 15k each, and that's really good for the you back at the the slower athletes. You know, the the ones that are getting 10 through 20, who might not be picking up any prize money at all. Uh, so I think the team aspect there is great that it rewards yeah, um, gives some income, some income for those lower end athletes. The points jerseys um, seem to carry pretty good reward. You got 20k winner takes all for being the fastest swimmer, biker, or runner across the that's series. Good. Um, so that was good. Uh, and possible improvements that I was looking at, get rid of the short shoot um, or yeah. make it mandatory to take it early in the race so it's not such a big influence. You still get a little advantage, but as I said, thankfully it didn't impact the final result. Yeah, because it could be an advantage you and you get to, you know, you can get a bit of 40 metre head, you can even try to attack or you can say rest up for a little bit to save myself for the end. So there's an advantage. Mm. It just you don't want that advantage in the last moment of the race. Mm, totally. You know, and, and, and to me, that was probably the only downfall of the races I saw. Mm. Uh, if you haven't watched the last round from Malibu at the weekend, 
I haven't didn't actually end up watching the full coverage because I watched the first race in each round and you kind of see who's got the short shoots and then I'm like, why am I, why would I even watch the second race? Oh, I didn't even watch it. Well, I was in a hurry. Yeah, I, I will watch it, but there's nothing riding on it other than the slowest people getting eliminated and they're kind of going not going to be and in the problem is the they're not rockstar, are they? Like yeah. it'd be cool if it was a handicap. Yeah, and you know, they, but you couldn't do that. It'd be unfair, but. How do you make that? How do you make, so? What do you think the last race should be? Well, no, I think you've got to put some meaning on those first two races, whether that putting prize money on the line, um, or the higher you finish, maybe you get to pick where you are in transition or in the start line. But there needs to be some incentive not to just cruise through that first and second round. Because uh, when I was fast forwarding and I didn't watch the men's second race, they were like cruising along having a chat. Yeah. Uh, on the on the run because there was a few guys out the back door. It's like, well, they're getting eliminated. Yeah, why, um, would, you, why would you push? So yeah, that just what needs could a little be tweaking in that situation. Well, money, money, money's en- enough to probably get you going a little bit. Yeah. Um, and as I said, just some or, or whether there's some points associated with it. So your back end, the last race is, I don't know, triple points, but you maybe get a few points for the first couple of rounds. Or yeah, something because like really that. watching a race is to watch the losers fall off. Mm. It's only exciting if the if, if if like only five people get to do the last race. Hmm. You know, like if only five people get to the last race, you know, or how many get to the last race? Ten, I think it was. Okay, so so yeah, you're still kind of there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Like if if, if there was a risk of like a Alex G not making the last race, hmm. which is highly unlikely, but yeah, I get what you're saying. There needs to be a bit more of a carrot throughout those for entertainment purposes. No, no. Held a lot of positives there. It was uh, good well, watching. Well, and, and you've talked about the racing. The package is great. It is. You know, yeah. they do a great job in the commentary and mm-hmm. it's a really professionally run event. Looks like it's really good locally supported races. You know, like it's, they, they're getting a lot right. Uh, it's the same thing as the PTO though. It's like, where's your money coming from? <laughs> yeah. Not, you know, they, they, with this race in particular in Malibu, yes, that was tacked on to an age group race, but that age group race already existed. Uh, so, but yeah. This is probably the most easy TV package. Yeah, but they're just putting it on YouTube, so you're not getting any money off YouTube, are you? Yeah, but are they, are they, are, is I'm, it on? I'm sure it is probably on other platforms, but when it's on YouTube, like yeah, no, you anybody can watch it. I think I think I read the other day if you have like a million views on YouTube, you make like twelve hundred bucks. Right, like it's something stupid yeah. like that. I can't yeah. remember exactly what it was, but I I did the figures and I remember thinking, wow, don't try to become a YouTube star. Yeah, like it was you know absolutely ridiculous. Okay. So fingers crossed they carry on, and I think the placement, the timing of the season is really good. After all the world triathlon stuff's done, granted the athletes, you know, when we talked to Taylor Spivey a few weeks ago, you're pretty tired by the end of the mm-hmm. season. But um, And there's a risk around that, you know, you're doing peak because it's hard mm-hmm. racing. But the, the athletes enjoy it, you know, there's pretty good money on offer for them um, and it's it's just a different sort of racing. And one thing I will say, you, 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 you are saying where's the money, well, they're probably five, six years into it now. Mm. So they are seem to be at least surviving. Mm. You know, it would be interesting to, maybe we should try to get Macaron about it because... He's always pretty honest. He'll let us know. Mm. You know, like it'd just be interesting to see the business side of it. Because remember we had that guy on a while ago. Yeah, the guy who's running the show, Michael Dillers. No, no, no. The guy we had who who we did. He did the Super League in Australia. He did the Uncle Toby's. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a geez. That was a long time ago. Yeah, Yeah. we interviewed him a while ago, and he was saying how they tried to go international, and it was just too tough. And he Mm. said it'd be interesting to see how Mecca goes Mm. and trying to make this a global thing. That was a very different era. That was basically that was an Australian product. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's what Super League's model on, but isn't mm. it? Yeah. So, okay, coaches' corner. corner. It's coming into winter for you guys in the northern hemisphere. 
It's time to start thinking about your winter focus. So I thought I'd do a, a few little rounds of uh, ideas around um, what you can sort of... Th- how to make most of this time. How to make most of the time. This is not a 101. It's not. It's not a 101 discussion because you might be thinking, oh, this is going to be pretty basics. But sometimes you need to take a step back and figure out if you do want to get faster, what you're prepared to make it make happen to do so. And for a lot of people, you might go through this little few steps and you might think, well... Getting faster is not my number one objective, which it sounds a little funny, but for yeah, if you want to get faster, you've got to make some sacrifices in some area. You've got to do some things you don't necessarily want to be doing or you don't enjoy doing. And it's like, hey, is that what I want to be doing the sport for? And for some people, it's definitely not. And I'd say for quite a few people, it's not. So first up, you need to do a bit of brainstorm. Um, step one. So what area of performance is going to give you the biggest net improvement? So make a bit of a list. So for some people, that might be bike endurance. Um, some people, it might be poor FTP, so relative to your endurance. So you might be a steam engine that can keep going at a sort of steady pace for hours and hours on end, but you don't have that sort of next gear up, so your your anaerobic ability is not very good. Some people it might be your run durability, you know, you're always fading in the second half of runs really badly. Others could be avoiding running injuries, you know, all the, every season you get running injuries. It might be swim biomechanics, you've never done anything in that area, or it could be just general swim fitness. There's a lot to work on, isn't there? There is. You know? And but this first step is what's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Okay. So most people swim. Most, it's a massive generalisation, this one can be improved quite significantly. But but then you say bang for buck, if I'm an hour 10 swimmer... Totally. But, but, but do, you know, is it worth putting that much effort in for five minutes? Exactly my point. Yeah. So, you know, there might be some little things you can do to get a, an easy couple of minutes, yeah. but for you to go for an hour 10 to an hour, it's so, probably a significant investment. Uh, to go for, an, say, an hour to 55 is massive investment yeah. uh, and could you be better off using your time to become an uber cyclist so those are the things this is what we have got to think really how long have I been doing the sport and where can I get those easy yeah. gains um, next step is having a really good hard think about how much time you're prepared to put into training during the off season um, or not the off season during your non-try season I don't think many people really have an off season anymore uh, it's like your non-try season I wonder how many people periodize still because I think a lot of people just get in the habit of doing the same shit each week, don't they? Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, during your non, non-racing non period, which is generally going to be your winter, depending on where you live in the world. But how much time are you prepared to put into it? So, you know, you got to, this is where you've got to start building in step one with step two. You might go, okay, my, my limiter, and I know this for me, is my bike endurance. Yeah. If I can't crank out big miles, my biking is not going to be where I know it can be. Yeah. However, step two is how much time are you prepared to put in? Am I prepared to put in you know, 15 hours a week of biking on top of doing some running and swimming? That's the sort of decision you've got to make is how much time have you got to actually work in with, with where your, your biggest time gains are. Um, so step three, then you've got to you know, ignore, kind of ignore the first couple of points. Think about what you enjoy the most about training. So do you enjoy group stuff? Do you enjoy Zwift racing? Do you enjoy any sort of racing cross country? What are the things that you enjoy the most about training um, and how important are they? And then your final sort of step is what do you enjoy least about training? And that sort of ties back into, into point one a little bit. So if you're someone, your swim sucks, but you know there's some pretty easy time to gain there, uh, do you actually want to do it? And is it going to make your enjoyment of the sport so low that 
it's really not worth the effort. Um, and so we often talk about swimming. You know, Bevan said, you know, one of the things he improved his swimming is like going to a swim group. Mm. And oh, massively. Massive, massive improvement. Yeah. A lot of places in the world, that is not available to you. A lot. We're in a very fortunate situation where we live that is available to us. Um, but if you're somewhere where you're going, technically I suck, I know I need to improve that, but there's nothing available to me. Yeah. There's no squads. I've just got a local pool. I can go and swim in. It's usually full of bloody grandmas doing laps. Can, and, and, I, and I hate swimming, and you've got all these forces against you, is that five minutes in the swim going to be worth my investment? So mm. those, those are four little steps just to start this process of thinking about what you're going to do over winter. Think where you can get your biggest gains. Think about how much time you're actually prepared to invest over winter, um, what you enjoy about training and what you don't enjoy about training, and then kind of start, the next stages are going to be developing a bit of a plan based yeah. on your answers above. Yeah, so, so get some clarity around how to improve those different areas. Because mm. as you said earlier, Bevan, most people just do the same thing every week. Yeah. Um, just get into a routine, and, and that's fine. Well, uh, I, do, uh, I, I do these little, I've started doing these keep active with Bevan little videos that I send out to my database and to put on my Instagram nowadays. And um, I did one yesterday, which I'll be releasing this week, but it was that kind of, one of the problems a lot of people give is, is they get in that place of um, turning up is good enough. Mm. You know, so when we think about our training, it's kind of, you know, I, well, I, you know, I, I turn up, I did the session, that's good enough. And it's like, well, actually, no, it's not really. Because when you look at a good training program or and if you want to get results, you know, you should have objectives to most sessions. And if, and it's not always hard, you know, like sometimes it's an, it, like a lot of people go too hard in easy sessions, mm. you know, and starting to understand what these. So I've got to interrupt you there. Because yeah. <laughs> last night. Uh, we did a session at the running and we did some circuits and then I said, right, what we're going to do now, just as we head back to our base, we're doing 1K and I want you to tell me what time you're going to run for that K and you're not allowed to w look at your watch yeah, yeah. when you came through. I stood at the 1K mark and I think the closest anybody got was within about 20 seconds of their time. Wow. And, and it, was it was between yeah 20 and, and 60 seconds too quick for yeah. what they thought they were actually going to go. Yeah. So learning... Pacing is well, yeah, cool. and, and but that's you know, and it's that thing of you know, a lot of especially now when it's probably easy sessions, people can hit their objectives, but you find you know, a lot of people go out for what they need to do today and they give them the excuse of oh, just getting out the door has been good enough, and mm -hmm. it ultimately affects the results and you know that you can achieve. Because if you're going to get a good training program, the ability to hit the objectives is one of the big keys. And so, it's, as my kind of point of the little clip, it's like a five minute clip, is first of all, is understand when you're using that mindset. Because really, like, and I gave an example because I did one session because I'm doing a body tech filming soon. And so, uh, my fitness is good right now. I'm not mm -hmm. peak, but I'm in pretty good condition. But I'm being that real top end in because when I do the body tech filming, it's the last five minutes. Like it's kind of just where you're dying and you're just trying to hold on. But you're still trying to do a job. So I'm still trying to present and look sharp and all the rest of it. And so I'm doing some on an assault bike, 10, 15 minutes, oh, yeah. 30 seconds on. 30, and like it's on the ground huffing and puffing for five minutes afterwards. Yeah. And last two Sundays ago, went to the gym and I do we do a strength development workout, which is a really great hard workout. So I did that first and then I had this... And I didn't want to do it. And I said, oh, I'll just jump on the bike and just just, just get it done. And mm. I did it half assed There was no huffing and puffing at the end. Mm. And it was kind of like, well, if, is that trying to prepare me for this body tech moment that I'm trying to get ready for? I'm not having the objective. you know. But I gave myself the excuse of, well, just turn up and do it. Mm -hmm. And I, luckily for me, I realized I'd made that problem. Or, or you know. So then the next Sunday, I just did a lot more mental prep. You know, I did, I did some visualization. I, I set some targets that I had to put in place. I even did the visualization of me walking from the first workout to the second workout. I set my music in place. You know, I just put everything in place. And then I nailed the session. felt great. But more importantly, when I get to that body attack moment, 
I'm going to be able to deliver on a higher level. And so mm. just be careful of, if you have got into that habit of A, just doing the same shit all the time. And that's where a good program, which is periodized based mm. on the needs of the year. But then B, understanding when you are thinking is giving, letting you off hitting the objectives. Because if you can mm. be someone who hits objectives, you're going to be well better prepared for your race day, aren't you? Mm. I agree with all those points. And if you're somebody that wants to get faster, you need to be doing what Bevan said is, is following those processes. I think from a coach, coach's point of view, for me, for you, for other coaches out there as well, especially when you come from a performance background, like I always want to I want to destroy myself by yeah. the time I get to the finish line. You're the, you're the same. Mm-hmm. And a lot of coaches out there will probably come from a similar background to us. Is There's a big proportion of, of athletes that they don't really – want to go to that that place in yeah. terms of going to the limit and they're happy participating in events doing a good solid performance yeah. um, and coming along to training sessions having social time pushing themselves having some fun but they're not that bothered and if, if you're in that that sort of area that's fine yeah. but you've got to identify that and now accept the and accept it well. and go okay that's sweet my, my focus is to go to that Monday night running session and smash myself each week and that's what I want to get out of it. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's important for everybody whether you're performance orientated or not but just kind of figure out your place in the sport and, and what you want out of it. But I then, uh, what, did my head in when when people cross the finish line and they're not, and it's something I struggle to accept, they're not absolutely rude. Yeah. I'm like, mate, I, I want to go home in a stretcher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and then you do have to, even as coaches I know what you're saying because you have to, like there's a lady in my group who she turns up and she's, she's always here but she never pushed herself hard but for her, it's just a social thing where she gets some exercise. Mm. So I totally get the why. But then you do have to be careful sometimes when you're using that why when really maybe you do want performance. Because mm. I was speaking to one of our runners recently, Lisa, and Lisa's kind of been a beginner exerciser. She's done really well, got up to a half marathons. And she, she's got to that place where we're just turning up to okay. And she said, Bevan, I want to get better results. I was like, well, you're going to have mm. to be more of, you're going to have to be more of a performance-based yeah. person. And I think a lot of people sometimes say, oh, I just do the sport for social, but maybe we're doing it because we don't want to confront performance agree now not disregarding those who are just there for social but it, it, you know just be aware of that kind of the limits you use around yourself that it may be because the thing is that sunday session and some of the sessions you do during the week as well like i feel resistance from the moment i wake up <laughs> yeah. you know like this and that's the battle is that you, yeah. you know how do you beat that resistance and actually deliver and the thing about it is once you do that session it's the most rewarding session of the week mm. so just interesting stuff to think about okay now we've got an interview Who's it going to be? None of us know. (laughs) Good luck. Here we go. Okay, team. So you will have heard uh, last week on last week's show, we had Nikki Bartlett, who was one of the guides at the Paralympics in Tokyo. And a few weeks before that, I'd been commenting that we should get some other Paralympians on. And I had an email in from Graham Perks. He said, I was listening to the podcast this morning and you mentioned you'd love to get somebody on regarding the paratriathlon. He said, my niece is Lauren Steadman, who won the gold medal in Tokyo at the weekend in the PT. S5 category and she's happy to come on so we've got her she won the Olympic gold medal in triathlon in um, Tokyo also won silver in Rio and also won medals uh, for swimming as well so welcome along to the show Lauren. Hi thank you for having me it's uh it's great to be part of this and I know that my uncle speaks very highly uh, of you guys in the podcast so um yeah no pressure for me <laughs> great you're useless you sound like a media professional from what i've heard so i wanted to kick things off just with some information around paratriathlon because we had nikki on the show last week and she sort of explained some of the classifications for the for the visually impaired athletes and how they kind of have a handicap start so i was hoping you might be able to explain the different um 
classifications that you're kind of involved in and maybe some of the wheelchair ones because I was looking at the results from um, Tokyo and comparing that to Rio and even in that sort of space there that some of the numbers and classifications have changed a bit so maybe give us a bit of a rundown on, on how it all works at the Paralympics. Yeah, of course. Um, I guess having been in the sport since I transferred over from 2012, uh, it has shifted magnificently uh, in a positive way. There's obviously with Paralympic sport, there's there's never one disability that's identical to another. So it's you have to kind of create a spectrum of categories. And there's a very uh, intricate and delicate system of classifying whereby you go through a lot of strength exercises, mobility exercises. And once they feel that they've uh, scored you on a point system that then puts you into a category you then race in that category uh, and after competition they then re review whether they think that actually you should be in that category because you could have raced um, well and truly better than they thought or a lot less um, so it's a very thorough system uh, to kind of try and make things equal within my own category I'm a PTS5 within triathlon. You have the PTWC uh, category, which is the wheelchair guys. They have kind of like sub-levels. So you sort of have um, level one, level two, and that's kind of based on how much core mobility you've got like if you have the use of I guess most of your core then you can sort of control your core in the swim you can lift your legs up uh, if you kind of have less amount of core stability and you say just have your arm control then you are at disadvantage of being able to sort of like uh, lift your legs up in the water and use your core in transition and on the bike so there's a time deficit there between uh, those two categories so that's why you'll see some categories split similar to the PTVI category where obviously you have uh, quite severely uh, blind athletes and those athletes that just have, uh, I guess, a, a little bit of sight versus, you know, uh, what would be normal sight. So there's also a time difference there, which can be quite confusing. Um, yeah. But in the other categories that sort of three, two, three, four, five, uh, that's kind of like based on physical impairments to being uh, the most severe, my category being, uh, I guess, the least disabled category. So I'm missing my right lower right forearm. Uh, we have some girls that are just missing a hand. Grace, the American that I race, she is missing her, I think it's her right ankle and a couple of toes on her left foot. Mm. Uh, so it's quite interesting though when someone watches paratriathlon because you know, you think, well, why is that girl missing an arm and she's against a girl uh, that's missing yeah. her foot? Um, and I guess the world of triathlon is quite lovely in that um, I guess there's three sports. So whilst I, Grace, might get an advantage um, on the swim, it's, you know, I don't get one then um, in, in the swim and kind of it equals out as you go along and it, it helps make it a little bit more competitive than uh, what it could be because I just don't think there's enough participants within the world of paratriathlon yet to be able to sort of have a broader spectrum of categories so that it yeah. was more equal but I think with all of for example being on this podcast and explaining it hopefully there you know there are some disabled athletes out there that don't even know about paratriathlon yet that might one day fall into it and will gain so much momentum that we can have a, a broader spectrum mm. and therefore more, more categories. Um, and, and how does it kind of work for for the athletes that are say um amputees on the the legs you know with the, uh, some part of the leg or, or for the the wheelchair based athletes um when they need assistance in the race for either getting a prosthetic on or getting help getting out of the water is that their responsibility to provide the the helpers um and and or, or does the race organizers need to do that and, and how does that kind of work yeah, again, this has been interesting over time in that it used to be you kind of bring your own. So you'd find that 
para-athletes had to travel with, say, parents or partners. And, and actually in my category years ago, I used to be allowed what's called a handler. And more often than not, it was either my uncle or it was my dad. Um, and I guess as an athlete, you get into that race zone and you can become... Um, quite hostile is the word I'll choose um and then quickly my uncle and my dad resigned from that role um, <laughs> actually as it happened um I don't really need a handler um but like you said some guys that are missing a leg um they will wear when we check in for our races we get asked are you a green hat a yellow hat or a red hat and green hat is you don't need help the yellow hat is that you need some assistance. And then the red hat is that, you know, you're a wheelchair category guy and they need two handlers. You've got to be lifted out of the water, taken to your wheelchair. Yeah. Um, so if I use uh, the girl that I raced, Grace Norman, um, obviously her leg is in what we call pre-transition. So she will have a handler there waiting for her just to sort of help stabilize her because she's actually very, very capable and she can pop along to her leg, but she uses yeah. the, the handler as um, a bit of, I guess, support, pops her leg on and then that's it. She runs the rest of the way to the transition jumps on her bike um i think the interesting part is is now over time the organizing committees provide the handlers and i think it also makes it a little bit fairer because some athletes can't afford to bring along a handler with them or don't have a team as as good as what i have with british triathlon so there's not staff members to help so if the organizing committee puts on handlers it means that it's a fair playing field they do have to work so when you do like your swim recce and stuff you are you are taken to the handlers and you kind of practice so that you know they know how you would like to get out of the water and how because some might like to be under the arms some might like to be lifted differently it's very bespoke to each athlete so yes normally they will get the handlers at the event um, to keep it fair across the whole the whole field nice um when we talked to nikki last week uh she was saying their their build-up was a bit of a bloody nightmare with um firstly i suppose you know everything getting delayed by a year um but then races getting cancelled and yeah just a really challenging time just to get to the start line so for you you know how, how was your build-up to tokyo was it was it a big you know five-year full-on campaign um and and i guess you know qualifying and all that sort of stuff so how, how was your sort of lead into the race um i think I've had time to sort of sit back and look at my lead into the games. It was five years. And I think last year when we were all sort of training, but training was starting to get a little bit hindered in that, oh, you can't go to a swimming pool or you're only allowed outside for an hour. Training sort of took a bit of a knock and it got to the point where you were start, sort of thinking as an athlete, I really hope they postpone the games because I'm not training for my best right now. And how am I supposed to deliver a world-class performance on 50% training? So there was a lot of disappointment when they announced that it was going to be postponed for a year. But at the same time, quite a bit of relief crept in because I was thinking, well, at least maybe as, a, as, as the world, we can get control on this pandemic and then actually come back stronger. Uh, and I, I guess I spoke with my coach and we used the time smartly in that I carried on training as per normal but he also said right we've got some time now to focus on the things that you weren't so good at Lauren and those would include things like uh, getting regular good sleep and stretching stretching's like my nemesis so yeah. um, focused on the small things that then a year later actually had a huge impact um, and also I think for me I stripped away the fact that I had no races to do and I found myself still training and there was a lot of questioning myself, like, Lauren, why are you still training? Can I have a little bit of a break right now and then come back stronger for next year? And what it taught me was to strip back the career path that I've taken. And actually, why am I training? It's because I love to train. I love to beast myself on hill reps. I love to go out and do TT efforts on the bike. Um, so this year, 
I was in such a positive headspace for the games because actually I realized that I was doing sport because I loved it. And sometimes mm. it's very easy for us athletes just to, to train um, day in, day out without actually stripping it back and realizing why we're doing it in the first place. It's not always about the medals and, and, and the performances. So I learned a lot about myself in, in what has been a tricky past two years. Mm. Um, it sounds like the you guys in Great Britain have got a, a really amazing setup for for the para athletes, um, and I know it's going to vary a lot in different parts of the world where, where we've got people listening. Uh, there was a news story on uh, down here in New Zealand last night, and it had a uh, our gold medalist who was in the javelin, and she was um, still teaching at a, like a special needs school. So I guess for for you guys in in Great Britain, are you are you full time, fully funded athletes, or are you part time? Uh, on a quick note, I was actually there doing commentary for that Channel 4 um, coverage of it. And I watched your Holly um, <laughs> take that gold medal. Um, it was a cracking throw that she did. Um, but yeah, I can remember being there and then listening to the, the National Anthem of New Zealand. So congrats, guys, to all the New Zealanders <laughs> out there. Um, so no, that was a great performance. But um, going back to the, to the original question, um, yes, we are exceptionally lucky that the National Lottery basically feeds into what we call UK sport. And athletes that are on world-class programs, there are different levels within the world-class program, depending on your performance um, on a world ranking standard in how much money you do receive from UK sport. Um, so we're very lucky in that we get a very decent amount of funding. There's a lot of give back on that. Obviously, performances um, are required. There are a lot of volunteering days in giving back to communities and younger generations. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like a, a win-win situation and also we have to give back a lot so you kind of like yeah doing a lot of work out of side of sport as well um which actually just helps the future generations come through but we are definitely very grateful and lucky to have such an incredible um national lottery in the uk that then i guess keeps our olympians and paralympians able to sort of focus purely on delivering the best performances they can um, and i just hats off to all other nations that um hold down a full-time career alongside producing uh, world-class performances I you know hats off to them that's an incredible feat um so to, to the race itself uh it looked like you had a good old battle out there I, I apologize I haven't actually seen the event but you mentioned um this Grace Norman from the States who was the gold medalist from Rio and uh you managed to get the better of her this time around so maybe talk us through the race and I'm, I'm just intrigued you, you seem to be locked in a close battle I don't know if it was draft legal or not um so maybe just talk us through your day oh what a day that was um it was really beautiful for me this time going into Tokyo. I've never really felt calm and at peace before a race, but I very much felt that this time and different headspace from what I had in Rio. Um, myself and Grace have been battling it out since 2014, I believe. That's when we were both kind of on the scene and, and, and creating a presence. And obviously my fellow Brit, Claire Cashmore, came into the mix after Rio uh, in 2016. So there's always been the three of us that no one ever really knows who's going to take that podium on any given race, um, which I guess just shows the standard in our category and that it's actually exciting to watch because we've each got our strengths uh, and our weaknesses. So um, I very much was aware that anything can happen in a triathlon and, you know, it can go each and any way possible. But for myself on the day, I kind of knew that they'd mixed up the start line numbers anyway. So Grace wasn't where she normally is, which is kind of right next to myself and Claire. And I thought, 
if I was Grace, how would I do this race? I thought, mm, I'd go for it on the swim and then try and hold it on the bike and then see if I could run it home. So I was like, right, I think that's what Claire, that's what Grace will do. Claire, well, she's next to me on the swim. So if she's smart, she'll sit with me on the swim, just kind of stay with me on the bike. And then again, so each to their own on the run. Um, and I was fully aware that it was 31 degrees in the water that day. So it was really, really hot. And my coach had said to me, under no circumstances do you lead that swim. You are yeah. not to lead it. And it was very hard because Grace took a very early lead and I could see that. And I could also see her pulling away. And there's kind of a fine line between when you watch someone swim away from you and when you sort of go, mm, I need to respond here. So I had my coach in the ear going, no, you stay where you are. And I knew that if I'd have tried to make a move, I'd have had two girls on my feet and then it's 30 degrees, I'm gonna tire out. Yeah. Okay, do as you're told, Lauren, listen to your coach. Okay. Um, and then I got onto the bike um, and I could see, 47 second lead I thought wow that's uh, it's gonna take a bit of doing uh, and I had no doubts I was like right right it's tuck in then let's give it a good go um started to pull away from Claire and put time into Grace I could see on the big board each lap uh, first lap put 24 seconds into her the next lap 10 and I was slowly slowly closing it and I was gaining confidence um so yeah I felt great on the bike and my whole thing this games was actually to remember that I am at the Paralympic Games. I am enjoying myself and I'm representing Great Britain. Instead of thinking of it as like, you know, this is a tough job. Why am I here? What am I doing? I don't like the nerves. I tried to put positive spin on it. Um, so yeah, got, got into the lead on the bike and tried to put, do a little bit of damage on the bike, um, but was fully aware again, this is really hot. It's 36 degrees. It's like 83% humidity. Lauren, you've still got a 5K here. Um, and my running has never been that strong. I'm notoriously known for, for kind of sometimes good runs, sometimes not. So I was fully aware that I needed to stay hydrated um, and drunk all my drink on the bike. I had a disastrous T2. I uh, dropped my bike once. I came in and my pedals kept spinning and my shoe hit the floor and kicked up the back end of the bike. Mm. So I dropped my bike and I thought, oh my goodness, you've dropped your bike at the Paralympic Games. Okay, right, pick it up anyway. And then it did it a second time and I was fuming. I was so angry. Um, and lots of friends have said, Lauren, you looked as though you wanted to like throw your bike. And I was like, I pretty much did. Uh -huh. uh, I was re really angry at this point. And my coach is going, it's okay, stay calm. I'm like, I'm not calm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got onto the run and I thought, Right, you got to pace this right. I knew that what time I kind of wanted to run. I wanted to be sub 20. If I could be near the 18 minute mark, kind of creeping into the 18 minute, I'd be really happy. Um, so yeah, went out on the run and knew that Grace Norman was only 20 seconds behind me. And she is known, she got a bronze medal. Uh, I think it was in the 400 meters in Rio. And I know that she's a phenomenal runner. So I thought, well, you haven't got probably the lead that you'd have liked just now. Uh, but I managed to kind of put a couple of seconds into her each lap I was putting as much water as I could over my head taking little sips trying to stay as cool as I can uh, and the most vivid part of this whole race was my final lap where I remember going up the blue there's a little bit of a blue ramp and I I said to myself how much do you want this Lauren and it kind of then I don't know how but I found like the next level on my run uh, kind of tried to open up my stride relax the shoulders just focus more on me internally and lift things up um, I got to sort of like one of the, the dog leg bits and could see Grace. I just thought, oh, no, I've got to keep going. Got to some of the GB lot and they were like, just run, Lauren. <laughs> um, so I just tried to do everything I could. And then even down the blue carpet, 
you know, people have said, you weren't celebrating. I was like, I wasn't going to celebrate till I crossed that line. Like I had a job to do. And no my luck, I would have fainted or something with the heat five meters from the finish and never quite got it. So for me, I, I gave everything I could. And then I crossed that line and I, and I heard the commentator sort of say, you know, he's our Paralympic champion. And I think it just kind of like what had happened in Rio, sort of the weight lifted. And I just, yeah, I just couldn't believe it. I was, it's really hard to explain. I haven't really had time to think about it myself, but um, so proud in that one moment. Um, pretty good and my parents weren't there for it, but uh, my coach was there and he was just looking at me um, and yeah, and then obviously Grace came in second and she was so happy for me as well. And I was super happy for her. So yeah, it was it was a really emotional race, but it was great. Um, what was, I mean, you, you probably get the question all the time, you know, what it's like, what does it feel like when you actually cross the line? But how, how, is, it dif- how is it different in Tokyo compared to, say, other wins you might have had when you've got crowds and stuff there? Because we're, we're watching from, as from spectators' point of view, you know, in the, the Olympics and the Paralympics, and it's just like, you cross the line and I guess you can see your coach but there's no nobody really cheering or anything like that is is it a bit of a weird feeling it was very odd this time around um I have kind of two viewpoints on it one is that I was so focused on that day whether there had been a huge crowd there or not I don't think it would have made a difference to me or my performance because I saw it as I had a job to deliver and I was giving my ultimate whether there was people there or not. But I think the side to it that kind of puts a different spin on it is that it's lovely to have friends, family there to cheer you on because ultimately you are the athlete racing and delivering the race. But all those people have been there every single step of the way with you. And so I think as you're running around, it gives you that little like turbo boost in that, you know, oh, I just see my parents and they're so proud. So one part of me was kind of in the zone, didn't really notice it. I just had a job to do. The other part of me kind of when I just crossed the line and I turned around and I could see my coach, I did look at the grandstand and it was empty. And I just thought, I know that I kind of visualized my parents being there because that's where they would have been. Mm. And they would have just been sharing that whole moment with me. I know they were at home. I rung my dad as soon as I could. And, you know, there was tears and everything, but uh, it was a missed moment for sure. Mm. But I definitely think that actually considering what we've all been through as a whole sort of planet in itself, dealing with the, the pandemic, they were there. I knew they were there with me. They weren't there personally, but they were there with me. And, and in terms of the aftermath, um, you know, you've, you've got a high profile. Uh, well, it sounds like you've got a pretty high profile in the UK. You've been on Dancing with the Stars and, and other programs like that. Um, does it get much exposure for, for you personally? And, and what about the other para-athletes um, in the UK when they were winning medals? It's actually been great in the UK for the Paralympic coverage. Channel 4 themselves uh, took on took on the challenge and from what was said back here was that pretty much every event was covered we saw all the British athletes compete their interviews and what was great was leading in the kind of the last three years uh, especially after London actually which obviously was a couple of games ago now but the profile there changed when the whole country I guess had the Olympics and then we're like wow we want to go watch the Paralympics and since then there's been a gradual um, build up in the Paralympics and we've got a lot more variety of athletes that are sort of getting on tv shows in the uk and that seems to be uh, the most influential part is being 
I guess, more open um, and visual to the public eye. So being on the TV shows, being in magazines, being on podcasts, um, and not always uh, for their disability or the Paralympic movement. It's for something else that they've achieved or that they're wanting to achieve businesses or, you know, absolutely anything. But I think it's great that there's been a bigger coverage on disability in such a way that actually anybody that's not an athlete and does have a disability, uh, their whole mindset changes as well. Uh, so just having more coverage and having more Paralympians doing stuff such as dancing with the stars. And we had uh, our javelin girl, Holly Arnold, she was on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. <laughs> so we've got great coverage from a variety of disabilities to just sort of show that actually having a disability, especially as a Paralympian, really isn't a limiting factor if anything it's what fuels our Paralympians it's what drives them to be successful to to have the determination and I think that we're going to see more of it and what's lovely is that I work with uh, one of my sponsors actually is Adidas and I know that as a global company they've got athletes all around the world Citibank our uh, International Paralympic Committee sponsor some of the work that they've done they did a, a stare campaign it was called and basically it was it's okay you can stare because I break records. I have just, you know, won medals. I have just gone faster than what anybody has before with two legs. And I think when you change the perspective of how you look at disability and not a negative light, but a positive one, uh, and that is where we're going to see more Paralympians come through and, and change people's perspectives and move the world into a different space. Mm, brilliant. Um, you know, it's been it's been a couple of weeks now. Have you have you thought about what next yet, or are you just trying to chill out and uh, and sort of lap it all up? Oh, it's been a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I've been very busy, and I haven't actually had a chance to sit down with a cup of tea and my medal. Um, it, yeah, it's been awesome for me. I've done a couple of red carpets, which has been really lovely because after having been an athlete for so long, and especially a triathlete, where you pretty much you're sweating constantly or you've got chlorinated hair and you don't look very pretty. Um, it's been lovely to put on some ball gowns. Uh, I've seen a lot of family, had a lot of opportunities uh, in obviously getting out and, and sharing my story. So Europeans were the weekend just gone and the world champs have just been announced in Abu Dhabi on the 6th of November, but I've decided that I achieved my goal for this year and I'm actually going to take my break now and then do a solid winter block and come back next year. So some are continuing on, um, but for me, I'd already kind of decided my year earlier on so I'm sticking to it um I guess the, the most exciting thing right now is that I've bought a house I've done an adult nice. thing um, nice. and and trying to buy a house so I'm super excited for that I'm gonna create my, my own pain cave in the garage um right. so yeah that's kind of where I'm at at the moment um and just yeah having a bit of downtime and just letting my more so my mind recover than my body um I think actually people don't quite well they might do if they've got stressful meetings and stuff but yeah, I put so much pressure and I focused on so many things leading into the games that now it's quite lovely to just sort of take a step back and and relax mm. it's uh, um any para I know at the Commonwealth Games when I watched over in the Gold Coast at the last games there was some para sports included there is triathlon included in the Commonwealth Games which is, is Commonwealth Games next year or the year after I think it's next year yeah it's next year in Birmingham, um, yeah. 2022 Birmingham. And the way that Commonwealth work with uh, disability sport is they don't normally do the full spectrum of categories. So paratriathlon is happening, but it's going to be the wheelchair category and the blind category. So yeah. 
I won't be there, unfortunately. And it just seems that every time a Commonwealth Games has fallen, my category has never been selected. Um, right. Unfortunately, I can't rock up and try and get a Commonwealth title, um, but some of our girls will. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be great, I guess, just to have some representation there. Brilliant. And if people, um, or anything else you want to get out there, you know, you've sort of spoken about, you know, raising, generally raising the awareness. Um, uh, how can people sort of follow you? And is there any other sort of messages you want to get out there? Um, I think, well, obviously my, my platforms themselves, you can follow what I do, um, but also some, you guys have some some great Paralympians yourself. You mentioned Holly earlier and you've obviously got Sophie Pascoe. I used to know her and swim with her. Like Paralympians in themselves, I don't think they go out with a mission of trying to inspire loads of people and, and change the world's perceptions, but they are just doing themselves and they are just being themselves. And, and, and what they try to do, they hope that other people um, can learn from and share their experiences. But I guess the only other thing that I'm I'm really passionate about as an athlete and, and as a young girl is kind of the mental headspace that we've all been going through and dealing with this last year. Um, I set up a, a mental I guess a mental well-being company called Sizu, S-I-Z-U, and I kind of just happened to do it. It wasn't kind of planned. It was just off the back of doing the, the SAS Who Does Wins TV show, but uh, kind of trying to create a community whereby actually what you're thinking and feeling is never right nor wrong and everyone's really individual. Um, but I'm really hoping to, to use it as a platform to help people just talk about their stories because I don't think everyone realizes that a story that you might think is irrelevant to someone there's actually someone out there that can learn huge amounts and, and we did a lot of work last year with people asking them to do this thing called a your two minute why and it was sort of like uh, why you were doing something and how it had changed you and I'll, I'll use one story now was that this one lady um she knew that she wanted to become a bit fitter she needed to for her health but she was quite a large lady and she was quite afraid of going out and doing exercise. So she started running in the dark in her garden. And after a while, like that became quite easy for her once she got fits. And then she started doing like uh, double laps around the garden and doing more and more. And then it got to the point where she ran outside, but only ever in the dark at night. And it's quite scary as a young girl um, to go outside and run around in the dark. Um, but slowly, slowly, she sort of built up more and more confidence and so she would do it like a bit later in the morning and then all of a sudden she's running in the daylight and she's running sort of six to eight miles every morning now and she's gained confidence but it was just her sharing her story and even as an elite athlete myself I, I thought that was really inspiring and, and how she might be able to help other people so that's kind of my mission at the minute is to try and get stories get people talking and actually that there's like no right or wrong way and you might think something silly but actually you could help change someone's life. Brilliant. Awesome. I love talking to you and uh, well done on the, the gold medal. And we look forward to maybe seeing you in Paris and more world titles coming your way. And uh, yeah, all the best for the future. Thank you very much, guys. Lovely to talk to you. We hope you enjoyed that amazing interview that we don't know what you went with. Yeah, we, 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 we recorded this last week and we've got a few options for interviews during the week. So we're going to see where that goes. But I'm sure whoever was on there, they were amazing. They were amazing. Now, we, have, we can't really do Wing of the Week. No, we won't do Wayne of the Week. Um, I'm going to do a swim set that I'll, I will do up here. So just John's swim set. Oh, swim set. It's going to be early season. I'm more swimming. Tom said to me, my son Tom said, we're taking the wetsuits up, Dad, and I'm taking your thermal. <laughs> I said, no, you're not. You're having, the, <laughs> yeah, you're you're not. having the other one. You're young and stupid. I'm having the thermal one. So um, how far will you go when you go? Because you, you don't want to get sick. And the water's actually, the water's actually warmer than okay. we anticipate. So it's, it's October over here. It's pretty fresh. I was actually looking at some pictures. It's my wife's birthday 
last week and I was making a card and I was getting some pictures oh. and I looked, we did swim this time last year. It is pretty fresh but it's just manageable. So I think my, my main tips today is we'll be going open water swimming next week. A uh, couple of things you want to remember when you're doing open water swimming, I think a lot of people fall in the trap. When you go open water swimming, you just get in and you just swim steady for yeah. 2K, 3K, whatever it is. Um, so do practice getting straight into the water and going at your race effort. Now, in an Ironman these days, most of them are rolling starts. So you can just get in there and do a steady effort. But most races, you can't get in and do a warm-up anymore. So you need to practice that, what you're going to do on the side of the, the, the lake or the river or the ocean, wherever it is. Figure out what you're going to do for your warm-up um, and then just get in and start swimming at a steady pace. Um, equally, if you're doing short-course stuff, you need to get used to doing intervals off the bat so anyway this is one one swim I'm going to do next week we'll get in the water do 1k steady swim and then we're going to do four by a 250 meter triangle around some swim boys uh, we'll do one hard and then we'll do one where you do you divide the triangle up into three you do one straight hard one easy one hard and then we'll have a little rest next round uh, through the triangle will be moderately hard and then the last one we'll do as ascending so that means you slam it at the start and you get progressively slower as you go through so I guess my main tip today is when you're doing open water swimming mix it up a bit and rather than just getting in there and just swimming steady for when, you, when you're doing open water swimming I was interested you actually do distance you don't do time well yeah we're kind of lucky up there we've got boys out there okay. so we can it's roughly that sort of distance okay. but I'll often another thing that I do is have my watch on auto lap and so when, when you've got it on auto lap when you're swimming you can feel that vibration and so a classic swim that I'll do will be say a 2k swim where I'll do um, first k you'll be alternating pace every 200 meters so you'll feel that vibration so you might go steady moderate steady moderate yep. and then I'll stop after a k and then I'll switch it to a 100 meter auto lap and then I might go 100 hard 100 easy 100 hard yep. so you're not getting rest you're just Changing your intensity when you feel your, your wrist vibrating. Do you, do, do, do you love swimming up water? Um, yeah, I enjoy it. Yep, I enjoy both sorts of swimming though, so I like mixing it up. I don't love swimming in the freezing cold. Have, have <laughs> you ever done like a real long swim race? No, I've, I've done one 10 kilometre open water swim. I think, yeah, I did that with Gordo once in Hong Kong, which was, was a point like? to point swim. Uh, that was long. And there was a bit of plankton in the water. We'll, we'll call oh. it plankton. I don't know if it was plankton or, or sewage. Um, oh, really? But that was a long swim. How long did it take? I think I was waiting around for Gordo. It took a while. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember. I guess a 10k swim would probably take two and a half hours, I suppose. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But no, I love swimming in all. I don't like swimming in muddy, crappy water. But yeah. swimming in Kona and stuff is pretty cool. I like swimming. Admittedly, I, 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 I don't love swimming in the ocean where you can't see. Swimming by yourself in the open water sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I don't like, like, like freaked out. Like, of course, your bay, and you, mm. and you can't. You know, you can't see anything under the water. Mm. I, I didn't even really love that. But I, any, as long as I can see clearly or pretty clearly, mm -hmm. I'm always pretty happy. I love swimming in open water. Not that I'm much of a swimmer nowadays, but like swimming in Wanaka. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a treat. Speaking of Wanaka, we've got a few minutes to, to pad here. I, I was thinking, what am I going to do this summer? You're going to do the race? I'm not doing Challenge Monica, but I'm going down there, and they've got a new event on that I am doing. It's a cross-triathlon, Bevan. So, so is that like an extra? Yeah, so I think it's a great addition to So wait, to is this event. a part of the Challenge Monica race? Same, I'm pretty sure it's on the same day. Okay. I haven't actually double-checked that. 1,500 metre swim. I think it's 32k on the bike, and then 10.5k run. Nice. And the, 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 the bike, where they have Challenge Monica now, there's a bike path 
bike park, a mountain bike park directly next door to it uh, and that's where the run for Challenge Monica goes. If you're in New Zealand and you don't know the news, they have gone back to the old Challenge Monica bike course which is going to mm. be great um, because last year they did laps, a bit rubbish bit really. Uh, so this year they've gone back to it so it should be really cool. Still out at the venue at Glendoo Bay and I'm looking forward to that. The only thing think I'm going to get my pants pulled down pretty badly on the bike because it's who? got some level four um, mountain biking oh, in it. Okay. So mountain biking is graded um, one to seven in New Zealand. So level four is advanced, like seven is extreme, beyond extreme. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's easy. So where would that have? Like, well, so John, it, I live across the road from the big mountain bike park in Christchurch. What, what, it's, what? it's advanced adventure park stuff. So for me... It's hopefully going to be just rideable in places, oh, so <laughs> like you, just you don't rideable. Want to yourself, so you're going to be pretty cautious, aren't you? Yeah. So there'll be there'll be bits bits that are cruisy, but it's got a few bits in the middle that um yeah I don't think it's going to be crazy hard, have but done, like, but I'll lose huge time. Have you done skills courses? No. Would you? I uh, probably should. Yeah, because they do them. Uh, the guy I was speaking to yesterday on Thursday night down, at, and he's a good cyclist, and I think mm. he's a pretty good mountain biker, but he's doing a skills course, an intermediate or advanced skills course down at the mountain bike park. Mm. Um, he hasn't started yet, but it'll be interesting to see what it's and like. My mountain biking needs some some brushing well, up. Yeah, well, interestingly, we got actually I got an email. Did you? you I, I saw that. I was going to save. Okay, that we'll save this. it. But we got an email about that from a listener who's <laughs> injured themselves mountain biking, and I got that email literally uh, just after I'd entered um, for the Challenge Monica Cross race. I thought, don't tell me that shit. <laughs> and kept so, falling so off his race, bike and injuring himself. <laughs> this race, how on level of importance for you? Not massively, but I'll specifically prepare for it. So same level as importance as I've done for these cross tries I've done the last couple of years. Yep. You know, I'll build up for it like an, an Olympic distance try with a mountain biking sort of focus. I'm not overly concerned about the result, but it gives me something to target, you know. I just don't know what's going to happen next year. You know, I, I kind of have plans in my head what I want to do next year. Well, but, which is what? Well, it depends if we can travel or not. Um, so going over and doing the Kona 70.3 and things okay. like that, don't know if that's going to happen. So that's my ideal is get fit over summer, do the cone of 70.3, whether that's realistic or not, hard to know. Crazy times. It is indeed. Okay, John, let's say a thank you to our patrons. Ryan, face the music, Barnett. Oh, I love it. Matt, it's too hard, Evans. Could go anywhere with that yeah. one. And, <laughs> I don't even think that and, You're dirty minded. And Grant, the spy Petrie. Okay, we've got, uh, also want to say a big thank you to our patrons, but also remember the patrons go in the draw to win some cool prizes. You can win the Magic 5 Swim Goggles, you can win some gear from Profile Design, and also some cool gear from World Triathlon Store. So if you are a patron, you are already in the draw, but if you want to become a patron, please go to www.imtalk.me, go through the process. We still get a gift just when you come, don't you? If you do a $10 per month, so a couple of coffees per month or a coffee a fortnight sort of thing, there's a swim cap. If you go 20 bucks per month, the swim cap and a I'm Talk beanie as well. Yeah, so there you go. So, um, and then... Uh, and we're, we're, it's going to be a pair of goggles going away next week. So the Magic 5 goggles are those custom-made yeah. custom goggles. So if you, get in, if you get in bef- when you hear this, you'll be in the draw for next week. Rock and roll. Uh, also, if you want to get the show emailed to you, go to the same webpage uh, for coaching, coachjohnnewson.com for my podcast, bevanjamesoilshow.com. Um, oh, sorry, bevanjamesoils.com. And then other content like Age Group of the Week, cool websites, and any other feedback. I am Talk. You see the helicopter? I am Talk. Oh, yeah, helicopter. Beautiful day here in Christchurch. Sunny, sunny day, snow still on the mountains. Reckon they reckon another month of skiing. Wow. Yeah. You've been skiing this year? You have not, ski been, not been skiing this year. Negative. Negative. Negative ghost rider. What you got, John? Okay, what's the best part of being in Criteria? 
Um, I've got to do a bit of work this week. We've got Epic Camp coming up, so I'm going to be doing a bit of a working holiday, getting ready for that. When's Epic Camp? It is 24th of October coming up. It's going to be awesome. And I've got the Epic Camp Mini that I've still got spaces for in April next year, which is going to be a five-day camp. Um, it's going to be awesome going through the Southern Alps. It's going to be some wicked, wicked riding and a few cool runs in there as well, plus some open water swimming. Uh, so what was your question? Best part about being on holiday? Well, given that when this show comes out, my son's going to have a new bike. Yeah. Don't know. You see, we've got this thing. Here we go. I, I said to him, do you want to take the road bikes up? Or the mountain bikes up to Kaiteri. And I said, there's this race we can go and do. And he's going, oh, he, he hasn't done it So any. you're trying to convince him to take the new bike. Well, he no, I'm not. He's yet. But he doesn't know he's getting it. But when I does he get the new bike? He's going to get it before we go, the day before okay. we go. And there's this race. He goes, yeah, I'd like, I think I'd like to do that mountain bike duathlon. So he wants to take the mountain bikes yeah. to do that. How many bikes can you take? We'll take two or three. Okay. We've got a couple up there as well. But we're not taking the road bike. We, you won't have the choice of doing both. You're okay. either taking road or mountain bike. And... And he's going to get this new bike, and he hasn't really done any road cycling up there. Yeah. And so he's going to be going, oh, he's going to be torn. He's going to be torn. It's going to be quite entertaining. Oh, life's about choices. It is. So the best thing about being Kiteri is there's lots of good trails for cycling and running and walking and just hanging out on the beach. And this time of the year, there's nobody on the beach. We get the beach pretty much to ourselves. Golden sand, amazing view. Boat? Sorry? Do you have a boat up there? No, we don't have a boat. Do you want a boat? Uh, I'd like a boat, but I don't want a boat for myself. Yeah. So I like the use of a boat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but I don't want all the hassle that comes with it. But just imagine being on a golden sand beach. Oh, it's stunning. Beautiful blue water. It's a bit fresh at this time of year. It's paradise. But nobody there. Yeah. It's going to be great. That's all yours. Now, John, I did get an email. Yes. From uh, Hot Chick. Kai Cox. Yep. The Colonel. She was asking about that sock that I was talking about playing fresh. But she said, secondly, can you please put a shout out... Uh, for an extra patron or two to fund John's tight ass Newsome to step up to his Spotify Premium. I'm not paying for Spotify Premium. These 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 whinges. Uh, where I run a bike he's, session. He's, he's still running Spotify at our kicker session, and there's air breaks. Yeah, so we we have a Wednesday morning kicker session, and we've got the regulars there. There's about ten of us that rock up every week, eight yeah. to ten. And uh, yeah, I'm a Spotify pre- Spotify. I don't have Spotify Premium because it's the only time in the week that I would use it, and I'm, I'm not paying for that. Support the artist. Sorry. Support the artist. Well, so however, since you sent that email, I'm actually I, I, the way I'll support them. I'll buy them on iTunes and then download them all on. Buy the songs. Yeah. That's a stupid way to do it. Well, then I've got them for life. But how many songs are you going to buy? Oh, another. I've, I've asked them all to submit sort of, well, actually, and I haven't got it saved here. I'll tell you some of the songs that people have submitted. Let's see oh, if I've got it. You ever let people choose playlists? Well, no, I've seen everybody submit three or five songs. Wait, you need to talk to your mic. Everybody submit three or five songs and... A bad move. Because you're going to get that one person who loves meatloaf. Yeah, but that's what you've got to be, be equal. Talk to your mic. Talk to your mic. Oh. Oh, I can't find it now. Remember we did the <laughs> Iron Man Talk Spotify playlist? I use that playlist. Oh, do you? There's a few headbangers on yeah. some random selections there. There's a bit of angry stuff in there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, John, it's $14 a month. I don't need it. I, 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 I'm, I, Kylie, if I was there, which I'm not going to be there because I work on a Wednesday morning, but if I was there on a Wednesday morning, you'd be able to use, wait, wait, wait a second, why can't you use somebody else's playlist? We've done that from time to time. <laughs> but they're but not there always. Yeah. They get all How flustered. often do they play ads? Sorry? Oh, maybe once or twice a session. So it's an, a you know, 70 minute session. The best part. It's the and timing I, of it. It's the best part is when it happens in the middle of a really hard set. Yeah. 
But my message to everybody was... <laughs> Here we go. Here's his weak excuse. Is when you get something coming on, so whether it's a track that you don't like or you get some ads... That's your moment to focus on what oh, you're actually yeah. doing. Great. You're getting these distractions. It'll like be it'll like being in a race and you've got that prick who's been drafting off you or they're just they pass you and you, you're getting really angry and you're not channeling your energy in the right avenue. When you get something like this, you take it as a distraction going, this song really sucks, or these ads really suck, and I've got to try to block that out and just and refocus on what I'm doing. So I'm actually, oh, it's, great it's a coaching tool. Yeah, you don't actually, if you so actually have the money, you don't want to spend it. It's a win-win. Yeah. I don't have to pay. Do people pay to do a session? Yeah, nominal fee, yeah. Oh. I mean, it like 10 cents more, and then they can get Spotify Premium. Nah, we'll, we'll, we'll just uh, <laughs> stick with the status quo. <laughs> it's just so tight ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good so times. it's good times. Okay, uh, Joe, so what, what actually, in one of the oh, it's ten sixteen. You've got to go. No, no, we got we got ten minutes. I did a FTP test the other day. How'd you go? They're tough, but it was bloody good, and I'm way better than what I thought How I was going to be. You should go and be doing every couple months, shouldn't you? Well, kind of. Yes and no. If you've if you've got a coach that can look at what you're doing, you, you should have a pretty good feel for where your FTP's at. Yes, it's going to change if you're going from your your off season yeah. to into training phase in totally different story but that's why I want to do it let's just see where my cycling's at and I was only about 8 watts off my all time best but that's largely due to those try and Z races that I did the other yeah. day that were bloody hard so feeling pretty good about my biking given I haven't done much all year oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. right we better go Bevan you've got to go get yourself ground get grounded by the grinder you getting fillings or anything or you just well check I want to get one because my front tooth my front tooth on the right side it chipped so mm-hmm. And it's because when I was, I've drunk so much sugar. He's given me a dim, dim yeah, over. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I had, and I couldn't get into the grinder. And it was desperate because it wasn't looking good. <laughs> so I went to some other place and they did like a back filling. Yeah. So, and it actually helped support that tooth because it was getting chipped. Well, the other one, I'm worried it's going to get chipped because it's not very well supported. So mm. I'm thinking the grinder, I might get the grinder to do the back. Probably not mm. today because you have to book in to get the next one. But mm. yeah, teeth. Uh, kids. Yes. Here's why I don't know. It's a funny thing. It's funny how we get a set of teeth. Why don't we get one another set at 40? Ask Griner, she'll tell you the answer. Yeah, well, just evolutionary wise. Because mm. you get your kids' teeth, mm. and then about 8 to 10, they fall out, and you get mm-hmm. a new set of adult teeth. It's mm. pretty good at 40, you can get another set. Mm. You know, how do we evolve that into humanity? Good idea. You know? So, sure, Elon Musk is probably working on yeah, it as we speak. Yeah, SpaceX and yeah. TFX. Yeah. <laughs> okay, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Lido. Train hard. Train smart. Get, Get car. car.